Hey everyone, this is JP. And before we get started, I want to thank our promotional sponsor, Quatrefoil Library, for their work in spreading the word about this podcast. Quatrefoil Library is a community center that cultivates the free exchange of ideas and makes accessible LGBTQ materials for education and inspiration. Located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, visit them at qlibrary.org. That's qlibrary.org. And in July 2022, we have some great guests for you, including Zaylor Stout, author of Our Gay History in These 50 States, Paul Kafer, a senior analytics engineer and the vice president of the Quatrefoil Library Board, and I talk with legal advocate and national speaker Ellie Krug about the memoir She's Not There by Jennifer Finney Boyland, and Jenny joins us for that conversation. Stay tuned for more details. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Queer Book. This episode was recorded prior to the destructive Supreme Court decisions stripping persons of their constitutional rights to abortion and setting the stage for local and federal governments to take away the rights of queer people not only to marry, but also to be in relationships and have sex. In our conversation today, we talk about organizing and coming together, continuing forward and not stopping. You probably know a queer person in your life who could use the books we talk about each week. Please find ways to share these books and our episodes with your friends and family. You may not know that you're sharing a book with someone on Instagram or Twitter that's going to save their life. Let's uplift the readers, writers, and books on this podcast together. On today's episode... Books don't really make me cry, and this book made me cry so many times. It just, like, pulled something out of me. I talked with Suyani Oliveira about Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg. It's a novel that gave new voice to the complexities of gender and is a classic of LGBTQ writing. For Suyani, it was a compass pointing the way. And that book continues to inspire my work, centering people whose voices are not heard, even within the queer community. My name is JP Derbogosian, and you're listening to This Queer Book Saved My Life. Let's meet Suyani Oliveira. Her pronouns are she, they, and I'll be using she, they pronouns for Suyani throughout this episode. Her parents immigrated to the United States from Brazil, and she grew up in a Portuguese-speaking home. She and I had a little bonding moment about growing up in multilingual homes with immigrant parents. The Boxcar Children books were a favorite series of hers growing up. Her parents were religious and enjoyed reading to her from the Bible. After she got a library card, she began bringing home books like Goosebumps and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which she loved, but because they were horror and with scary covers, Suyani had to keep them hidden from her mom. One time, her mom found those books and called them Devil Stories. That was another bonding moment for us as my mom did the same thing. Suyani went to college for English, but when the program made them read the Canterbury Tales, they got turned off, which, come on. Let's be honest. That's fair. Since the pandemic started, they got back into reading, and queer memoirs are their favorite these days. Or as they told me, anything gay. If you're a queer person recommending it, they will take it and read it. Suyani describes themselves as a hearty trauma reading person instead of light and fun, but that can burn you out. So she recently read Natalie Diaz's post-colonial love poem, which was beautiful and something she really needed. She has a little pit bull named Hank. He's the love of her life along with her wife. Suyani is the Women's Program Coordinator at the New Haven Pride Center. They call it their dream job. They put on panels and events for non-men and queer women, along with fundraisers to support the Pride Center. They shared with me that one of the aspects they like about their position best is the ability to create spaces for queer women and non-men to be together, 
but then also to collaborate to create spaces that unite, helping us stick together. They told me they can't even believe that they get to wake up in the morning and do this work. Here's my conversation with Suyani. Hi, Suyani. So tell us, what's the queer book that saved your life? Stonefish Blues by Leslie Feenberg saved my life. I read it. Well, I've heard about this book. I think a lot of queer people have heard about this book. It's like a unicorn where you hear about it, but you never, ever see it. You know, like you never see it in stores. You never see people reading it. It's a very rare book to find, especially the first edition with like Leslie's face on it because it went out of print a long, long time ago. And then Leslie had to, there was like a whole big rights, like court battle that um, here was fighting. And so it's free online on a PDF on lesliefeenberg.org or something on, on here's website. And I'm not an online person reader. I don't like Kindles. I like to feel the book. I love to smell the pages of the book. You know, are you the, are you one of those people who just like, yes, it's the only way. <laughs> it's only so, way. so good. It's so great. And then when you think back to it, you're like, ah, oh, that's the particular smell. So I wanted a copy of Stone Butch Blues. I didn't want to read it online. I wanted to like be present with my book in the moment and read it. And I was over a friend's house and I was looking at her library and she had Stone Butch Blues and I stopped. I think we're at a dinner party. I like completely checked out of the dinner party. I was like, oh my gosh, can I please, please, please borrow this book? I've never seen it before ever in my entire life. This is so special. And she said, yes, this was during the pandemic. I read it. Actually, (laughs) I read it once. I put it down and then I read it again immediately, like immediately. I tried reading it a third time because I wanted to translate it into Portuguese, which I started to, but I haven't touched that project in months. It's just one of those books that, I mean, I don't know about other people, but for me, books don't really make me cry. And I'm a big, I'm a very emotional person. Like if I'm watching a movie, I'm crying definitely, but books don't really make me cry. And this book made me cry so many times because I felt so aligned with our protagonist, Jess, it just like pulled something out of me. Like I've never cried so much while reading a book. And some, sometimes it was because the scene was sad, you know, but other times it was just because I was like, I understand this. I completely understand how you're feeling. It was incredible. How would you describe the book to someone who hasn't read it? It's a historical fiction about a working class Jewish butch lesbian named Jess Goldberg. And it spans out a few decades and it starts off in the like late 50s and then ends in the early 80s. And it's a pretty complex book in terms of themes. It's very easy to read. So it's written by a working class person for a working class person, which when working class people write books for working class people, for me, thank you. Because I cannot with queer theory understand what those big words mean like i don't need that you know i'm i I think it's elitist sometimes but also you know academia so it's where it's written by a working class person for working class people so it's very easy to read but it's very complex in terms of its themes there weren't many books at that time being written about the complexities of gender that's like so in your face the way the way that Leslie writes about gender in Stone Butch Blues. Uh, but basically, we follow our protagonist, Jess, on her life's journey. 
We see her find chosen family. We see her struggle with being a working class lesbian. Um, We see her struggle through unionizing through the Vietnam War. We follow her trauma. We follow her like bliss. I mean, there's like nothing that the book doesn't encompass, honestly. There's a lot of police brutality. We talk about racism in the book. We see examples of homophobia within, in and outside of our community, which I had never experienced homophobia inside of our community. But then once Leslie opened my eyes to it, I noticed all of the microaggressions that queer people, you know, put upon ourselves or like towards others. So that was like eye-opening for me. It's a roller coaster of a book. And Leslie does this thing where with here's writing, they use Z here pronouns. Yes. And so what here does is juxtapose an incredibly traumatic scene with a beautiful and tender and like caring scene. And like that just amplifies like the intensity of it all, like everything, like the queer experience. (laughs) This book was published in the 90s. And I know, and like, I hope that other people know that like, just because this book was published in the 90s, that it doesn't happen to queer people today. It absolutely does. Which is why one of the reasons why I love it so much, because I can pull like anything from it. Like you want to talk about anything? I'm pretty sure Stonebridge Blues has something to say about that. Every guest interprets this question of saved differently. So I'm curious, how do you feel that Stonebridge Blues save you? I would say that the book opened up my eyes, really, specifically because I aligned myself with so many aspects of Jess's character. And Jess's character changes dramatically throughout the book. So you see a lot of you know, the different sides of, I wouldn't even say different sides of Jess, but Jess just evolves as a person, which is what she's pretty much all alone throughout the entire book. And you could attest to this, that like immigrant parents are like, you have to do it. You have to pull yourself up by your bootstrap. That's a very American thing, but I think immigrants feel that a lot because we're coming here with nothing, you know, and you have to grow. Like you have to start from the bottom and grow. A lot of my trauma was very closely related to her trauma. And Leslie sort of put what I couldn't into words, if that makes sense. The title of the book is Stone Butch Blues, and we discover what stone butches are. And I I just couldn't put into words like what I was feeling, what my emotions were in terms of like stoneness. Stone Butch Blues challenged a lot of my thoughts. People talk a lot, lesbians specifically talk a lot about the butch and femme relationship dynamic and how heteronormative that is or like how a stimulus that is. And I was, I subscribed to that. Butch and femme relationships are very hetero. Like we're trying to pass quote unquote, you know, but Stone Butch Blues challenged that. It did it in a way without even being like aggressive about it. It just like told me this is the relationship between a butch and a femme person and it's beautiful and loving and caring then I changed my mind. I was like, no, butch and femme relationships are not about passing as a straight couple. You know, I learned so much about lesbian history, about how much lesbians had to work and fight for unions, like in the fifties, because a lot of them worked in factories. So like Jess worked at like a bindery. Um, She worked at a like car, a lot of dangerous factory jobs and She had to fight for her unionizing. And that to me is just like incredible. I I just feel like every time I reread it, I pick up something new that I didn't see before. 
After a book blows open our worlds, seemingly changing everything, how does that show up in our lives? After this break, I'll talk more with Siani about how Stonebridge Blues showed up for her and her work at the New Haven Pride Center. Buying a home for the first time can be scary. Can you get pre-qualified? How much will you qualify for? What are your monthly payments? How much money will you need to bring to closing? You need to talk to our friend Ted Bougie from Best Advantage Mortgage. With 14 years of experience, Ted works with several different lenders to secure your financing on your mortgage. No matter your situation, Ted has options for you. What I love about Ted is how his reviews all say how he talks to you like a friend. You can ask him anything. Anything. Reach out and say, hey Ted. His email is ted at bestadvantagemortgage.com. The Park Tavern in St. Louis Park is your summer destination. The patio is amazing, perfect for you and your friends to grab dinner and drinks. Enjoy a game of cornhole while you indulge in the great food. The full Park Tavern menu is available outside. The Park Tavern also has live music on the patio every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and even some Mondays through the summer. Reservations are highly recommended. And if the weather does turn, the bowling lanes at the Park Tavern are always open and are spectacular. On Louisiana Avenue, north of Highway 7 in St. Louis Park, the perfect summer is waiting for you at the Park Tavern. A big thank you to Archie, Bill, and Paul for being This Queer Book Saved My Life's first Patreon supporters. Their sponsorship level directly supports transcription services that ensure the podcast is accessible to our deaf and hard of hearing audiences. If you would like to be a Patreon supporter, please know that supporters help keep us on the air and promote accessibility. Patreon supporters receive a variety of benefits from this podcast, including shoutouts in our episodes, social media mentions, access to live streaming events, virtual lunch with me, or even better, Bring Me to Work Day, where I can do a talk and Q&A around queer diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash thisqueerbook. If you're a doom scroller on social media, it's important to protect your mental health. But is the only option to turn off the news? What can bring some hope? Here's more of my conversation with Suyani. So you finally get your hands on a copy of Stonebutch Blues. What was different for you after reading it? What was new or possible for you to do in your life? That's a very good question. I think I would say that it made me more present with my chosen family. Chosen family is something that we talk a lot about in you know, the queer community. I mean, I don't think I've ever taken my chosen family for granted, but it just made me think about how special our friends and our chosen family are as queer people. And I think after reading this book, I was much more present. I was thinking a lot about the history of lesbians in small towns. There was a lesbian her story archives in New York where I used to live and I didn't even know about it. They're closed because of the pandemic now, but as soon as they open, I'm going to be spending hours there and I'm definitely going to find something about Leslie Feinberg in there. Here was a instrumental activist in, in the trans and queer liberation movement. And I would be surprised if I didn't find anything about Leslie in there. Could you share with me how this book shows up in the work that you do? Stonebush Blues did inspire my very first 
day. We had the Pride Center does like multiple days of action, which is like a mini conference almost. So as soon as I got hired, I had a few months to put together the Lesbian Visibility Day of Action. And it was all inspired by Stone Butch Blues. I lead a a book club there as well. And for our first book, we read Stone Butch Blues. And yeah, that was the most successful book club we've had. I think a lot of people understand the importance of this story. And so it was a wonderful discussion. We read Stone Butch Blues for for Lavender Lip Book Club. And then Lesbian Visibility Day was like maybe two weeks after that. And it was inspired by Stone Butch Blues. Um, We had themes about our surrounding themes for the day was DIY, working class and radical queers. And we opened up with a reading, a volunteer read a passage from Stonebush Blues. And it was in the end of the book where Jess gets up on stage for the first time in front of a crowd. Jess is in Manhattan, living in, in, in Brooklyn or Manhattan, Manhattan, I think, and gets up on a stage and it's queer people just telling their stories on a microphone. And the passage we chose was when Jess talks about being so tired of being alone and like asking um, her peers and strangers if we can work together, if we can stop fighting this battle alone, if we can come together, it would be easier to fight and the chances of us winning are higher. And so we chose that passage and we had a panel about the DIY scene in New Haven, specifically organizers who were non-men and queer women. We had a panel about working class and radical queers in Connecticut, again, non-men and women and queer women. We had like a zine making workshop to celebrate uh, how zines were basically like newsletters in the queer community, especially like during the AIDS epidemic where (laughs) the government officials and reporters were falsely reporting or not even reporting, not even talking about AIDS. Queer people made zines to inform each other about, you know, groups like help some medication that they're trying and it, it seems to be working. So we, you know, made a zine making workshop and then in the end, we uh, had a indie film screening. And yeah, it was all inspired by this book, all inspired about coming together, not being exclusive, celebrating like the power of working class people, the power of do it yourself. And that book continues to inspire my work, centering people whose voices are not heard, even within the queer community. So you're talking about organizing and coming together. I'm curious then, how does Stone Butch Blues help you process what's happening in the world with all this anti-trans and don't say gay legislation? I will say that I am a perpetual doom scroller and my mental health (laughs) dramatically declines when I'm on, like when I'm looking at the news. But Stone Butch Blues just gives me hope because When this book takes place, it was in the 50s, uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s, where queer people weren't even allowed to hold hands on the streets. But the butches and the bars in in Leslie's story in Stone Butch Blues, just, they did it. They took it. They went out despite knowing that they were going to get arrested, were going to get assaulted by police officers, were going to lose their jobs, were going to, you know, have to make bail, so lose some money. It's inspiring, like knowing that people knew that this was going to happen, but we're like, I don't care. I need to be me. 
and I'm going out to the bars. Like I'm going to have like an hour of happiness, an hour of being me. And I will take whatever crap you throw at me. And they did it together. One of Jess's first times encountering cops who were beating the shit out of her. She was with her friend because she was there with this older butch who she looked up to tremendously. She was like, we're doing this together and we're going to get out of here. We're going to keep doing it. And I think that message just needs to be like amplified. No matter what people try to throw at us, if we're coming together, divide and conquer works. Like, you know, like the Romans did it because, or the Greeks or whoever it was, they did it because it works. So if you divide us, it's easier to, you know, shoot us down. If a million queer people stood up to however many Texan, like, officials there are, there's more of us than there is of them, you know? If we come together, we can do it. There's no stopping. There's no stopping. There really isn't any stopping. Like, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. This is our happiness. This is who we are. We should not be ashamed of it. I want to thank Suyani for being a guest on the show. If you are in Connecticut, you need to visit the New Haven Pride Center and say hello. The Pride Center has a case management office that can connect you to doctors providing gender-affirming care or LGBT therapists or housing. There's a food pantry and community closet, all of which are free if you need something. Suyani is helping organize a benefit show in August of 2022 with all proceeds going to the Pride Center. So visit newhavenpridecenter.org for all of the info. That's newhavenpridecenter.org. My conversation with Suyani reminded me of the book Eminent Outlaws, The Gay Writers Who Changed America by Christopher Bram. It's a nonfiction book, not a novel like Stone Butch Blues, and it only focuses on gay writers, but Eminent Outlaws also looks at the period of time between the 50s and 80s. It tracks several writers, including James Baldwin and Gore Vidal. It's not a perfect book, and it leaves out so many necessary authors from that period, but for me, and this shouldn't be too surprising at this point since you're listening to this podcast, it is always fascinating to me to learn about how writers I admire write, the how of it, the why of it. And Eminent Outlaws tells a story of what it took to write in a world that systematically silenced queer people. We queer folk all have experiences with this because we're all storytellers. We start creating stories of queerness from adolescence. Who am I as a queer person? How do I describe this queer life to parents, friends, grandparents, teachers, coaches, none of whom are expecting our queer stories or know what to do with them, or in some cases, don't want to hear them? In Eminent Outlaws, Christopher Bram shows the tenacity gay writers needed and, frankly, the luck that some had, and, in many cases, the tension of going it alone or being in a writing community. But they didn't stop. They couldn't stop. In the introduction, Bram writes his first sentence, the gay revolution began as a literary revolution. And as we process this Supreme Court's destruction, which is the result of a well-organized and well-funded far-right movement, we're going to need another revolution. It's a good thing we're already storytellers. Thanks everyone for listening to This Queer Book Save My Life. 
Our new episodes drop every Tuesday. For all the updates, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Transcripts of this episode are available on our website. Please don't forget to support our sponsors, Best Advantage Mortgage, Park Tavern, and Quattrofoil Library. And most importantly, keep writing and keep reading.